Okay, so, okay, here's the thing about this episode for me. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a good episode. We get some good Emily Hotch stuff, um, some Reed stuff. But I, I don't like watching this episode. <laughs> I actually really like this episode. Yeah, like, I think it's a good episode. I'm definitely going to rate it high. I just, it makes me uncomfortable, this episode. I don't know. Like, it always has. I've always been like, ugh. Well, I think this episode feels so much like a setup that doesn't get paid off. Unfortunately. Should we mention that? I mean, yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so Anton Yelchin, right? Yeah. Um, Was in this episode in 2006, and he died yeah he passed away in 2016 it was very tragic it was an accident uh his career was really kind of up and coming i think part of the reason he didn't come back sooner was because he like took off yeah after this because he did star trek right he was yeah, like he was good in trek star off. trek yeah yeah and he was like booked and busy yeah he was very busy for a while um yeah and, like, star trek was in 2009 Star Trek was 2009. So right after this, he took off. Um, And then, yeah, sadly, he did pass away from an accident. So I think that, like, they did plan for him to come back. But then the actor got very famous. And then if they, like, would have brought him back for, like, an end of show thing, they couldn't. So, yeah, there's a lot of payoff. I expected him to come back. Yeah. He's one of those episodes that you're like, oh, so we're getting a part two, right? And then no. you keep going on every season. You're like, okay, so when are we getting a part two? <laughs> like, when are we getting a part two? I think it would have been really interesting if they had brought him back as, like, Reed's last episode. Oh, I think it would have been interesting if during the course of the show, Matthew Gray Goobler did leave and this was his last case, like this kid coming back. Oh, I think that would have been like, a very interesting bookend for him. That's what makes him, like, the Eve. Or something. Yeah, just like this is like his last case, you know? Yeah, it's like just so I just think that would have been an interesting bookend to have. Yeah. Emotionally. One thing I wish Criminal Minds did that it doesn't really do is reference past cases. Like a throwaway mention of Reed um, being like, oh yeah, I talked to Nathan the other day. You know, some sort of like especially these cases where like they connect so intensely with like one person mm-hmm. that you're like i bet they'd keep in touch with this person you know and i'm not saying every case would be like that but something like this i could see reed keeping tabs on nathan for a show so obsessed with its own little au of america you would think there they would be a little bit more into their own lore absolutely not they refuse like it it just it it's so funny to me that they're like this is AU America basically cuz right. it's not like they don't follow current events that much once we actually get into it, right? Right. And they shouldn't have to. But this is very much like an alternate universe America, right? Yeah. And so like you would think they would be more into their own lore because that's the only thing differentiating it from regular universe america but they do not they do not care (laughs) in the same way that like person of interest 
exists in like 9-11 happened and we are universe yeah. went to the right and person of interest went to the left. I feel like Criminal Minds is the same. I feel like 9-11 happened yeah. and mm-hmm. they're in there a different post 9-11 like track, you know? Um, this is a world where self-replicating AI exists. This is <laughs> yeah. like Bush is not the president. I mean, he gets Bush does get mentioned in season three, but I feel like after Bush, they do the thing where it changes, like West Wing yeah. style. Bush is their like Bush is their turning point. Yeah. <laughs> that is the point where they go to the left and we continue on forward. You know yeah. what I mean? Like- yeah, like when Bush's term is up, they went, you know, okay, so we do get a new president, but it's not like Obama. It's just like an unnamed person. And we're not going to care about that anymore. Yeah. It's just, it's very interesting to me that they're like, they they keep pretty close to regular timeline things. Mm -hmm. But they never mention their own lore. It just seems interesting to me that like, you have the narrative space to do it, right? If I had to write down on a piece of paper, everything that's interesting about your world, Mm -hmm. I would put, it's like America, but nay you. And then I would have like a bunch of lines left to list your lore. Why are you not more into your own lore a little bit? You know what I mean? And so many characters come and go on the team. and But when they leave, they are never mentioned again. They are thrown into the abyss and sometimes they're fished back out. But most of the time, they're just gone. Like L. Never is mentioned again. Maybe one time in five years she gets mentioned. But like, you know, when Emily has her gap years, she does get mentioned a couple of times, but I think it's because they knew she was going to come back for like a couple of guest episodes. Um, But like when Hotch finally leaves, never gets mentioned again. Alex Blake never gets mentioned. Kate, Seaver, like Derek comes back for like two episodes, but like in between that, they do not mention him. It's, he is dead. He is in the yeah. void. It's like if you leave the team, you die. Purgatory AU, the BAU is purgatory. When you leave, you're gone. Like, you do not exist in the universe anymore. Which is like... If you die on the show, you die in real life, basically. basically. If, you, if you leave the BAU, you die in real life. I'm sorry. Yeah, you die in real life. That's why, like, it's wild to me. Like, imagine being as close as you are with, like, Hotch for so long. And then he leaves, and you don't ever talk about him again. You never. You see him at a football game, you walk the other way. Like, Like, you do not speak to him. That's literally how it feels. That's, like, literally how it feels. I'm like, you were, like, okay, you know, I get it. Like, you know, I'm an adult. I have left places and fallen out of touch with people. But I still like follow them on social media. I still yeah, like I still follow them on them. Instagram. Yeah, like yeah. no, there was this time, you know, I in high school with my friend Ruben. You remember Ruben? Uh, but you know, stuff like that. None of it. They're gone. <laughs> none of that happens. Disappear Nothing. from the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just it's so weird to me. It's so that, weird and this episode especially feels like something that they would mention again later on down the line. I feel like there's whatever that weird fucking Florida episode with the <laughs> the cannibal dude. Yeah. I feel like that would have been a great time to mention this episode. It feels like there's an episode of Community in the last season where 
because in the last season, like Patrick Brewster joins and another new person joins and the rest of the cast is the same. So they'll be like, oh, what about when you became a dictator and took over the community college and kept the dean in the basement for six months? And the other characters are like, what? Sorry, (laughs) what happened? Before yeah. I got here, like, I want that to be the BAU. I want, like, <laughs> Ashley Seaver to be hanging out and Emily be like, oh, my God, remember that time that Derek and Elle found that guy, like, in front of an angel statue, like, eating a human liver? Wasn't that wild? And Ashley Seaver is like, I'm sorry. What? What? <laughs> and, like, a cannibal? case and they're like yeah but only kind of he was like in a psychosis he's not like actually like a cannibal you know just like where is that why do we never mention previous cases especially the fuck the buck wild ones especially like i feel like they talk about like interstate killers a whole bunch and then they never mention frank again our boy frank disappears into the ether like after he does arguably the most buck wild shit we've seen on criminal minds he is out of here he is gone baby why is there not a scene of the bau team like at the bar and emily is like being told the story of the fisher king being like hold on someone shot l that's why she went crazy wait a minute you guys were like stalked how'd they get a picture of penelope she never leaves the office like just like you know there's never that moment of them like swapping stories you know yeah it just seems so weird to me that this is a case that like once it's done is out of here out of here and Also, it's a case that I forget this case happened so early. I forget that this is a season two episode. I always want to place this in like three or four. I know. Like, I don't know why. I know. Season two does have some standout episodes. And I forget that they're season two. They're so early on and they're so good. Um, This one's a really good episode. Yes. You know, speaking of good episodes in season two... Do you want to talk about season two, episode 11, Sex, Birth, Death? James, I would love to talk about season two, episode 11, Sex, Birth, Death here on our podcast, Wheels Up. Is the title clunky to you? It is clunky. Also, your name is B. I didn't say it and it's my bad. Yeah, I love that you keep forgetting to introduce me. Well, I keep trying to casually slip into the intro and I... It's because you never say my name. You're just like, hey, little fucker, what's up? And that's it. Hey, business boy, are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, little guy. (laughs) Um, The title. Sex, birth, death is weird, right? It's weird, and I don't think it fits the episode. Like, the sex and death does, I guess. But, like, the birth part is weird to me. Also, is it supposed to be like you have sex, you give birth, and then you die? Like, what's the like? Why is it? Why is why is birth not first here? I guess it's because his fascination is mostly sexual. But like, what's going on here? Like, what's going on here? I don't know why birth is in the title at all. What's what's 
let's find by the end of this episode mm-hmm. of Wheels Up, let's rename this episode to be something better. I think we can probably talk ourselves to a better title than Sex, Birth, Death within the next two hours or so. I think we could probably talk ourselves to a better title than Sex, Birth, Death. I mean, I think you could even do something that's like doubt and desire or like a cry for help or or just like just name the episode help period that's just name it. it help that's a great name we did that in like a minute <laughs> <laughs> sex, sex birth, birth death. death is weird when you know the whole context of this episode it's yeah he also like very specifically states multiple times it's not really a sexual thing powerless you could have called it powerless because Nathan is powerless to stop himself and the other guy feels powerless. You could have done that. Criminal Minds? This is a bad title, Criminal Minds. Jeff Davis, you're not safe. <laughs> you're not safe from me. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff okay. Davis, also Chris Mundy. I see you all. Terrible episode title. I see you. I see you. <laughs> okay, so this episode takes place in D.C., um, I just want to say DC does not have sex workers like this anymore. I think we've talked about this before, but um, I was just, I drive down Capitol Street, North Capitol all the time. And this is not how it is anymore. So Was it how it was in the past? I mean, I would assume so. so. I would assume that now, like we've talked about how it's kind of moved online and there mm-hmm. have been like attempts to quote-unquote clean up the streets yeah you know I like think, they're mentioning in this episode yeah like i i do not have the knowledge to say that there are not you know street walkers you know sex workers on the corner anymore but mm-hmm. i feel like it is a lot more uncommon to see that yeah like i feel like nowadays we have turned online for sex work and for finding um, sex work, sex workers to meet in person. I feel like yeah. a lot of that has moved online for safety reasons. Um, but I'm not going to say it never happens because I just don't know. But DC does not look like this anymore. Yeah, maybe in 2006, but not now. There's a lot of sex workers in this opening scene. There are a. Lo- That's why I was like. There are a lot of sex workers on the street. Like, like it feels I get like that too DC many. Is like a busy town, and there's a lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of power thrown around, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, there's a lot of sex workers on the in this opening scene. Also, like, so they show a map of where these crimes happens. I know that exact area. The top, if you watch the map where they show the two red dots, the top red dot is exactly the corner where I used to go to trivia every Tuesday. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, hey, wait a minute. I know hey, that wait corner. A minute, something's not right here. I was like, I was like, 14 and P. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. That's where my trivia bar is. <laughs> um, so I can safely say at 10 p.m., it does not look like that anymore. Pre-pandemic did not look like that. So maybe it's changed. But then the other place, the K Street, and 14th still feels like a really weird place. Like, I feel like they would be more on, like, L, 25th and L, like, in more in the business area, more toward the capital. 
instead of being on K near Massachusetts, just feels like a weird place for them to be. Um, but also there's so many of them. And the the blonde sex worker does not get a name, which really pisses me off because she's in like three scenes and every time I had to write the first sex worker. Um, yeah. But she's like, yeah, we just like sneak behind a dumpster in a doorway and they come like super fast. Which is so funny to so me. The like, way that she says it is so funny. I know. Um, so why do you need like 50 women on the street? Like I feel <laughs> why like do you this need is a small army of sex workers <laughs> on the street. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. Surely you cannot all be getting good business here. On the same block, all next on to each other. On the same block? Like that's just that's business. just bad business. Yeah, that's, that's just, just competition. bad business right there. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's I don't like tell when you, you ladies how to do your life, how to do your thing, because obviously I could never. But like, that's like when that's you go somewhere competition. Right that's there. like when you go somewhere and there's like a Seven Eleven on every corner of an intersection, and you're like, "How are you all surviving?" There's four of you. Like, I can see four Seven Elevens. How are you all surviving? <laughs> My hometown in Iowa has two Casey's gas stations right across the street from each other. There's like four gas stations total in town. How these two Casey's are surviving is a mystery to me to this day. It's so wild. I would literally be like, okay, I'm at 7-Eleven. I can see a 7-Eleven. If I look the other way, I can see a CVS. And on the next block, there's another 7-Eleven. Like, I... What? Like, how? 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 I don't. I. That's money laundering. Fake. Probably. Fake businesses. <laughs> um. Yeah. So there's a lot of sex workers out and about. We see a blonde woman like tucking money into her stocking, and they show how close they are to the Washington Monument and all that kind of stuff. Um. We need to talk about this uh word processing the word document. processing document. <laughs> the guy's typing, and I like wrote the paragraph, and he's basically just like, men shouldn't have to see sex workers and politicians say they're cleaning it up but no they're not um everyone is sick with sin etc um but he's typing his it doesn't say word like microsoft word like it should or even word document it says word processing document so you know it's a word processor um which is why microsoft otherwise how would you know it could process words yeah how do you You would be so lost in this world that they didn't say word processing document yeah and then he's not even typing on the Word document. It looks like they took a screenshot of a Word document and then layered over typing because the words are like above the paper part of the word processing document. It's absolutely infuriating. Yeah. And you said it wasn't even Arial font, even though it's the not even Arial font. And the screenshot says Arial. So like it's- no, it's, it's not even Arial. It's like fucking Calibri, like bolded. Like it's bold. not even Arial. Yeah. I just. No, I hate it. We will post a picture on our socials of this fucking absolutely yeah. infuriating word it processing document. Oh. Yeah. Girl, this that shit pisses me off so much. It cuts to the morning and we see the woman who had been tucking the money into her stocking being beaten and stabbed and the guy is wearing like a black beanie black trench coat black leather gloves all sneaky and shit and then he's really trying to be on his like cartoon villain shit isn't he 
always wearing yes. a fucking turtleneck with the beanie and the black like get on your nefarious shit my guy damn he's dressed like the robbers in home alone <laughs> he literally is he literally is and it's like the morning it's in morning he's dressed like that so it's like i get that it's cold out so like it it's not like suspicious but at the same time like you could not look like any more of a hashtag criminal if you wanted to <laughs> um, yeah yeah okay so he stabs the woman and he cuts her hair and i don't think we see him carving the word into her we just see him cutting her hair off okay yes. cut to the metro reed walking up the stairs and he gets stopped by nathan harris and who goes, you're Dr. Reed. And Reed's like, do I know you? And he goes, no, I just know what you do. And Reed goes, okay. And then just like starts to leave. But the second the kid is like, Dr. Reed, I saw your lecture at Georgetown about sexual sadism and how you caught the Mill Creek killer. And then Reed's like, oh, <laughs> now I will talk to you. Yeah. Also, I will say they do reference back to the Mill Creek Killer, which is two episodes ago. They do. Yeah, except- A whole that, two big episodes. I know. Although he does say a few weeks ago, which is impossible with the timeline. Um, Listen. Yeah. I'm going to mm -hmm. give the kid the benefit of the doubt and say a few weeks ago was like a week and a half. He says he's a junior at Northwest High School. He's like, I don't have a lot of friends. I'm interested in profiling, specifically true crime graphic novels. Is that a thing? What, like true crime graphic novels? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's super a thing. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, where's my Unabomber graphic novel? It absolutely exists. If I googled Unabomber graphic novel, you will find it. Let's see. Because now I'm, now I'm curious. Huh. Yeah, right. Also, true crime graphic novels feel like that's tangentially related to the Frankie Munoz episode later. <laughs> Because he's also making crime graphic novels. Yeah, he's making well, he's making superhero graphic novels. Yeah, but yeah, here it he is. eventually devolves into crime graphic novels. Oh, this guy turned the Unabomber manifesto into a graphic novel. I feel like you can find like a lot of different examples of Unabomber graphic novels. Yeah. I think, though, the kid says that because he says he's writing a Jack the Ripper graphic yeah. novel. Mm -hmm. So he's like, that's what I'm into. <laughs> um, and then he's like, is it true that people kill a lot of sex workers? And he's like, yeah, most common thing. And then the kid says, is it for sex or because they think they're dirty and need to be punished? And then Reed goes, were you waiting here for me? <laughs> Rita's suddenly like, okay, cute, cute young boy. I see myself into, I'm sorry, are you a serial killer or? <laughs> yeah, he's kind <laughs> of just what? like. Um, he, the way he's like, you can see the moment where he's like, 
oh yikes like it's so funny the yikes moment is so real yeah he literally had like his face like drops and he goes hey wait a minute were you waiting here for me and then the kid's like anyway how often do they like stab them and cut off their hair and reed's like i've Never heard of that before. Hey, do you want to come back to the BAU with me? Do you want to see the <laughs> cool the shit like, we do? Like, <laughs> Yeah. He's like, wow. Do you want to come talk to the other profilers? And the kid's like, I got to go by and leaves. And Rita immediately like starts running for the BAU. He gets yeah, there. He okay. literally- <laughs> the way he runs is so funny. He starts yeah. like. He really starts trucking it up the stairs. He's got those long legs. He's just like four steps at a time after yeah. Metro steps. Um, very funny to me. He just starts booking yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and then Reed gets the BAU. Okay. JJ's first JJ outfit check. I think we're only going to get one this episode. Well, until the Josh clothes. Um, oh, hey, I edit this now. You can't bleep out my j- God, I can fucking try. <laughs> um, anyway, her suit is so big on her. Like, <laughs> What's going on with this suit it's here? Like bell-bottom <laughs> dress pants, and then her blazer like hangs down over her hands. Like, Bestie, did you borrow Emily's suit already? Like, it's so big on her. Also, like, even Emily's suit would not be that big on her. No, no. This suit is comically large yeah. on her. Yeah, it's comically large on her. And they didn't even roll up the blazer to pretend. They let it, like, this is like Hotch season one bullshit. Yeah. The bell bottoms, <laughs> too. God. Yeah. And now I'm the looking at them. I think, are the worst part of it, actually. Now that I'm looking at them, they're like tight on the thigh. They're real tight on the thigh. And, and then they, they really flare. <laughs> for what, criminal minds? She's also wearing a silver horseshoe necklace. Horse this whole girl. episode. Literally her girl's girl, JJ. <laughs> Hashtag horse girl. Hashtag horse girl. Okay. Reed comes in and is, Reed is wearing his purple gay scarf again. That's a few episodes in a row now. Yeah. He loves this purple fucking scarf, dude. Yeah. He, he's wearing a corduroy blazer. And his gay purple scarf and his cardigan. Um, okay, Reed, you homosexual. That's a lot of layers. Yeah. And that's a lot of conflicting materials on a lot of different <laughs> layers. Yeah. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm out here with like the world's ultimate drip or whatever. <clears throat> but like Yeah. No. I'm just bad. saying. Yeah. So then Reed is like, JJ, who's your contact at the DC Metro Police? And she's like, oh, do you want Victor Bonds? Do you want me to contact him? And Reed's like, I'm going to call. He just starts dialing. And then, like, is like, get this picture out immediately. And it is the scariest (laughs) picture. (laughs) Like, sure, it looks like Nathan Harris. (laughs) Um... If he was in, like, a Tim Burton movie. Hey, hey, MGG. Got a quick question, bud. That is absolutely an MGG original right there. Yes, 100%. (laughs) All of his art looks like that, and I hate it. I hate that, like, spindly little, whatever. Anyway, he draws this kid 
like a goddamn ghost. <laughs> and he calls the police and he's like, give me Barnes. And then he's like, have there been deaths of sex workers that have been stabbed and had their hair cut off? And the answer is clearly yes. And he's like, okay, I'll meet you in 30 minutes. And he hangs up the phone and he's like, DC may have a serial killer. And I think I just let him get away. Into the company song. I think what's funniest about Spencer's sketch of Nathan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks like if Nathan was like a the ghost of a Victorian child. He looks like, that's... like emaciated. He yeah. looks emaciated. And I know Anton Yelchin has like some cheekbones. Yeah, like he does he in fact does have not look like this. <laughs> yeah, he has good cheekbones. He does not have whatever is going on in this sketch, MGG. No, he truly drew him like a skeleton boy. And it's like God, can you imagine being this kid and seeing this drawing? <laughs> being like, and Dan, being like look like me is at that all. what I look like? <laughs> Is that what you think I look like? Are those my vibes? Um, okay. We get a little montage montage of, like, the sex workers again. We see the kid, like, sitting in class looking worried uh, for, like, a second. And then we get to the corner of the morgue the where the body is. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman was found four days ago with no ID. The first killing was three months ago and no connection was made because the first time was just one killing three months ago. And this time she had the word help carved on her stomach. Um, and then we described- I love the way that this DC detective, sorry, I love the way that he does this reveal and he's like, yeah, uniforms didn't make the connection because of this. They were a little too focused on Whoosh. this. <laughs> Whoosh, reveal, help on stomach. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, okay, are you like practicing to be a magician? Like, what is going on? <laughs> He's like, this is What's my up? one chance to flourish. Wow. <laughs> Help. Um, and Reed Reed um Reed describes the cuts as shallow. The guy like wants help to stop. He wants to be caught. And then it was like, if it was in the morning, why were there no witnesses? And the guy is like that area of DC is like notorious. So even if someone saw something, they like wouldn't say anything. Which like, yeah, okay. Um, oh, this is the beginning of Derek and Emily's like buddy cop friendship. I love them in this episode. They are literally just out here having a good time. I love from them. He- from here on out, they are buddies. They are besties. They're besties. They are besties. There's a moment in another episode where they're like, yeah, they're killing minorities. And then it just cuts to Derek and Emily. And I was like, ah, yes, the black man with lesbian. The minorities (laughs) on the team. (laughs) I just think think that being besties is so funny because they are objectively the funniest motherfuckers on this team, without a doubt. Those oh two are your two class clowns for real. Oh my god. Oh, they god. cause they cause so much chaos. <laughs> they also like pick up chicks together. Yeah. But like like Derek purposefully like refers to women by like weird nicknames so that Emily is like, ew, Derek, gross. <laughs> <laughs> they are just besties. And I yeah. love them 
no, together. No In this episode, I think is also especially a good time for you to start being like, hey, they're the besties. This is the yeah. bestie squad right here. Bestie These squad. are the besties. These are the besties right here. Yeah. Also, Emily and Derek are like the hottest people on the planet. They literally are. They really went, oh, you are also sexy and funny? We're best friends now. We're like, best <laughs> friends now. I've decided this. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So they're walking around talking to sex workers in the morning. And sex worker number one, the blonde, um, says like, well, at night, it's too dark to see into the alleys. And in the daytime, we duck behind dumpsters or into doorways. And then little Holly, the second sex worker, says like, how do I know you're not just here to like crack down on us? And Emily's like, because I'm telling you. <laughs> Which like, I like the sentiment, but also I'm like, a cop has to tell you that a cop. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. What does that give Lil Holly here? Yeah, I feel like we should name this first sex worker just so like we have yes. a name for her. Can we just do like an like an Anna? Maybe she kind of looks Anna. like an Anna. Yeah, okay, Anna. The blonde one is Anna. just so we like have a name for her, so we stop calling her blonde sex worker number one because yeah. that feels so bad. It feels so bad. I'm really upset that they did not give her a name, an and also name. I'll explain it. There's a scene later that I'm also upset about with how they portray her. But yeah, so Anna. Um, so Holly is like, yeah, they come by on their way to work. And then she's, and then Anna says, yeah, like the loudest, the politicians who are out there being like, we got to stop sex work. We've got to get these people off the street are the ones who visit them the most. And Holly says, "More, the more important they think they are, like the faster they come. It's so weird. And Emily goes, no, that's pretty universal. <laughs> and Derek like laughs at her. Oh, uh, <laughs> they're my besties. Emily is like, nah, men who think they're important, bad in bed. Trash. Yeah, so trash. Derek shows a picture of of the drawing. He shows the drawing. Ghostly Victorian child Nathan. <laughs> and Anna goes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just comes by and watches. He's just some horny kid. I, was I like, also, though, I love that they're like, <laughs> this drawing has little freak energy. I only know one little freak. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like importantly, like the drawing kind of sucks, and I get that. But there's only so many little freaks in this city. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, skinny kid with the weird energy and the curly hair. Yeah, he just yeah, kind of watches. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and they say they only work in the daytime because it's safer. And then Emily asks little Holly, like, how old are you? And little Holly's like 21. And Emily's like, come on. And she's like, okay, I'm 19. And Emily's just like, mm, stay safe. Doubt, but stay safe. Doubt. Okay. We need to talk about the bicycle in the room. Hot. <laughs> she did there. Thank you. Hutch has a bicycle hanging on the wall in his office, which implies he rides his bicycle to work. And then he has a coat rack with an empty hanger implying he brings his suit and changes it to his suit. Maybe. We know Hotch is a pretty avid biker in general. He does do triathlons later. Yeah. So maybe... We just caught him on like some tr a training day. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> he didn't have any pressing cases to get to, so he's like, you know what? I'll take an extra twenty minutes. I'll do my little training thing, and then I'll just come into the office. That'll be fine. Because yeah. like this case is in DC, he doesn't know that he has the case when he comes into work this morning. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I could he can just see- take a bureau car after once he gets in. You know what I mean? I mean, I could see him biking to work. Like that's yeah. something that's totally viable. It's just like, why did they? make the decision we need to pay attention to see if this is there in other episodes i am so sure this is the only episode we see Hotch's bike hanging on the wall and it is not acknowledged or mentioned or it's just there the prop people said we just want you to know he's kind of sporty also why would you does the fbi not have a fucking bike rack do you not? It must have a bike rack outside. <laughs> like, why don't they? He rides his bike through the lobby of Quantico <laughs> into straight into the elevator, and then out of the elevator straight up the ramp to his office. It's just weird to me that you like put it in your office. Like, there's not a bike rack in the garage. Like, his, his other option though is to put his bike in the rack and then walk through Quantico in his biking outfit without a bike. But like if you ha- if you see somebody walking into an office with, you know, their suit hanging over their shoulder and then biking clothes on, mm-hmm. you're not going to be like that's a freaky weirdo. You're going to be like that person biked to work and parked their bike and is now walking into work. You know what I mean? You're not going to be I- like, "Wow, what a freak weirdo." Like <laughs> I think I think the show just needed to show us that he rides a bicycle. <laughs> yeah, so they were like, we just need to put this here somewhere. Don't worry about the logistics. Yeah, we got to <laughs> mention it so that later, um, if In they put a bike, six or whatever, when he goes to train for triathlon, it's like literally season five. Yeah, five. That's close. Ugh, gross. Anyway, sorry. Okay. I just had to say something because every time I see the scene, I'm like, the fucking bike. And it's and it's a racing bike. It's got the turned handles up, you know, that's a racing. Yeah, bike. And it also looks. Yeah. No, that is definitely it's got two a, water bottles on it. Yeah, the two water bottles is a strange choice. That tire choice <laughs> looks a little bit thick for a road bike. But, you know, if yeah. this is everyday wear, maybe you don't want to use your racing tires on just everyday biking. That's fine. Yeah. The frame the bike looks says pretty park thick. Pro. Is that park. A, if it says Park Pro, is that like a fucking mountain bike that you're just riding a, into work? Is it a mountain bike that he put racing handles on? No, th- those aren't racing handles. Those are just a different type of regular bike handle. Um most uh, bike racing my handles uses are just them. Like, used them when he did triathlons and used them when he did like long distance biking. Yeah, um, Ironically, also, my dad does not use that type of handle when he goes on, like, rag brine and stuff like that. It's strange to me that the bike is, like, it looks like such a heavy frame that I don't know why you would use that as, like, your everyday bike. Because it has a heavy frame and tires. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? It's just baffling. Yeah, baffling. Okay. Congresswoman Steyer. Oh, yeah. She is just sitting in his office when he comes in. And she says, they said it was okay to wait in here. And I thought back to our conversation about him just, like, leaving Emily there. Now they just, like, let this woman in. Truly Hotch's office has an open-door policy. Yeah. They don't give a shit. They really don't care. Yeah. 
And then she's like, I talked to my people. I heard there's a potential serial killer. You need to promise you're not going to publicize the murders because if you do, I'm going to take you off the case. Just remember, BAU needs to be invited by the local law enforcement agency and I can get you uninvited, blah, blah, blah. And Hotch is like, okay, um, sure. I mean, I'm not going to promise that because we might have to. And then we find out that this congresswoman, Congresswoman Steyer, pushed a bill that gets additional funding and targets lifestyle crimes like sex work and drugs in an attempt to drop the overall crime rate. And in four days, they're going to announce that violent crime is down 37%. And she doesn't want to have to say, but there's still a serial killer out there murdering sex workers. And Hotch is like, you know, if I don't say anything in the media, I could be putting more people at risk. And she's like, you can work, just work quietly. And you want, you seem like someone who could run the bureau one day, but you have to accept that like the FBI is as much about politics as it is about fighting crime. <laughs> um, which I, I guess so. Yeah, and we kind of see this quite a few times or echoed later in the episode a whole bunch mm-hmm. um, or later in the season a whole bunch uh, and in the show yeah. overall. Uh, very much the FBI being as much about power and as much about politics as it is about fighting crime uh, is mm-hmm. like fairly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you see it a lot when Strauss shows up. Yes, especially when Strauss shows up. Yeah. Um, it's a huge thing at the beginning of season three. And I think this season, I don't entirely remember, but I think this season is kind of Hotch's arc of like, does he want to work in the BAU or does he want to rise in the ranks of the FBI? He kind of has to like make the choice of like, why is he doing this, you know? And this is kind of the first hint at that. Yeah, because yeah. Strauss also gets introduced this season, doesn't she? At the very end? At the very, very end, yeah. Like in the last, like, in the last episode, I think. Yeah, the last episode's a flashback. Um, and then in the second episode of season three is kind of like the big Strauss episode. But she keeps hanging around. Yeah, she's just always there. Anyway. Unfortunately. Um, okay. Her. He, yeah, I do too. Um, he watches her leave. He watches Congresswoman Stryer leave and sees Emily be like, oh my God. And they like hug and Hotch is all like suspicious. Congresswoman Stryer was like, I asked my people. And now Hotch is like, is Emily her people? Bum, bum, bum. Is Emily a, a spy? Hmm. Hmm. Okay, I, we need to talk about this. Yeah. We need to talk about a couple of things. One, okay. Emily looks completely different than she did last episode. And that's a good thing. You know, it's a, it's a great thing. This is Emily for real. This but is this is how she actually looks, yeah. yeah. And how she actually, like, asks. Like, she's a bold person. She, like, talks back to Hot. She, like, has input. Um, but in the first episode, she's, like, a terrified child. And then in Lessons Learned, she's, like... Thanks for taking me on the case with well, here, you. Here's the and thing. 
she didn't sign that offer letter yet. You know what I mean? She didn't have that guarantee of employment last episode. This this episode, she signed the contract. She's in. She's like, fuck it, let's go. Full send, baby. Like, she didn't have like, that offer letter until now. That's what I, I think. I think it's really interesting. And it might have just had to do with, like, shooting schedules or whatever. But I think it's very, very interesting that Emily is, like, She's shy and she's timid and she's like, I just want to work here. I just want to work here. And as soon as she feels comfortable after like she got, she did her case. She's like, great. They approve of me now. Boom. She's like. The obnoxious lesbian we know and love. Yeah. I know. She's like, you do not get to talk to me like this. Excuse me. I have a thought actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go do my job. Like. As soon as she's in, she's like, actually, I'm kind of a huge sexy bitch. Sorry. (laughs) Like, all of that shy little, like... Energy. Energy, that shy, like, ooh-woo, I'm so young, and I just want to hang out and, like, help women. Gone. That was to get her through the door. That was like, I'm not not a threat. I'm not intimidating at all. And then she gets the job, and she goes, actually... I'm going to have your job in a few years, just so you know. (laughs) I I genuinely think it was like, I finally have the offer letter. I finally have the term of employment. Yeah. Now I'm going to be me. And you you guys can all deal with that eventually. You guys can all deal with that as you will. One thing I think, though, is that probably contributes to Hotch's mistrust of her. He's like... 180 that she does yeah where he's like okay the past few weeks you've been like middle part shy um oops sorry i know arabic that's my bad sorry yeah and now she's like actually you don't get to talk to me like this actually i'm on the team now and like this is who i am i'm a strong independent woman and hotch is like okay hold on (laughs) okay hold up yeah you know i also think this has been like a perfect i know it worked it worked this way because it's a tv show but if we were just looking at this as like somebody's life this is absolutely the perfect two cases back to back to make him be like who the fuck are you and what the fuck are you doing here you know what i mean that's a good point last the last case and this one are almost like tailor-made because hey guys guess what because they are tailor-made to make emily a little (laughs) bit suspicious you know what i mean i mean and honestly for good reason (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and if we were looking at this as just like, this is somebody's real life that's happening, he is absolutely right to be suspicious. Yes. Yeah, because I mean, from his point of view, like, she shows up with the proper paperwork, nobody has talked to him, he knows she's maybe a nepotism baby. And then she hears from someone that they're back from their case, read the file that was for him... And then demands to be given a chance. And then it turns out she knows Arabic. She shows up just in time for a case at Gitmo. She helps solve it. And then she comes in the next week and she's suddenly cool, calm, confident, doesn't give a shit. She's got opinions. She's got thoughts. Thanks for the trial run. But I'm here now. I'm, I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and he's like, who the fuck are you? Why are you besties with this congresswoman who hates me? Like, he's like, oh, I get it. You used the shy comp demeanor to get in. And now this is the confident you 
who's buddies with politicians. Yeah. Like it looks suspicious. And they make an it effort. Does. They make an effort to make it look suspicious because later when somebody messages Congresswoman Steyer, you see Emily like glancing between Hotch and JJ. They like make a point of having her be like, like she's listening, you know? Yeah. Which I think, and I'm not going to spoil it, but which I think ties in perfectly with what happens at the end of the season when we get that kind of like reveal mm-hmm. with Strauss. Um yeah, I I I like this kind of thread a lot. Yeah. And um, I think it's yeah. also interesting that we go from lessons learned to sex, birth, death, and then we go right into profiler profile this next step. Like, yeah. this is a lot of like, yeah. who are the agents who they say they are? Oh. Who are our heroes here? And so I think it's interesting that you have these two episodes and then this episode is very much Derek and Emily bestie season. And then next episode is Derek's no good, very bad time. <laughs> like, it's it's interesting to me that we have this like one, two punch followed by a kick you know what i mean like it it, they they did that really well to do maximum suspicion and i think they do a really good misdirect of like you think it's going to be about emily and keeping about emily being suspicious then it's just like and suddenly it's about somebody else entirely yeah it's about her bestie anyway sorry let's talk about this episode okay so reed and penelope are in penelope's office looking for the kid and reads like it's hopeless there's nothing in the juvenile offenders records and penelope's like okay we need to think like a high school kid and reads like i was 12 in high school and i hadn't been through puberty yet and penelope's like i'll think like a high school kid you'd think like a profiler <laughs> um which is very funny uh and then they're like, okay, he said he's a junior, so he's probably a sophomore because kids like lie to adults to seem older than they are. Um, and Reed like thinks back to what he was wearing and he was like, okay, it was essentially a private school uniform. You know, he had like a wool blazer that said money. And then he was like, well, and he did say he went to Northwest High School, so how many private schools are in that district? There's three, but only one of them offers classes for college credit. And they find him, Nathan Harris. Cool. Nathan Harris. It they do the thing that it's very obvious when they're like scrolling through uh like the yearbook photos or whatever, where you're like, oh, it's that kid because his photo has different lighting than everybody else's. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, we get it. Everyone we else is just it. slightly out of focus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this kid has his hair all up looking like a crazy insane MGG sketch. Wild <laughs> how that works. They literally pan from the picture of him to the sketch. Yeah! Like, damn, why are you doing Anton Yelchin so dirty like that? <laughs> this is the opposite of that other episode of Fisher King Part 1, where it, like, zoomed from the police sketch into the guy's face, and it looked exactly yeah. like him. This yeah. is the opposite of that. Opposite energy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so then we're at Nathan's house. He's writing on his computer talking about killing sex workers, and it's like the same font. So you're like, oh, was he the guy typing in the beginning? Who knows? Doorbell rings. Gideon, Reed, Morgan are there. The mom is like very protective and is like, who are you? What do you want, my son? Whatever. 
reads like Nathan went to talk to me, like he found me to talk to me. And Nathan shows up and is like, yeah, I did. Can I speak with him alone? So Morgan and Reed go to his bedroom with him. And he was like, I knew that if you were like really good at profiling that you'd, you'd find me. Um, so they're like, He's okay. Like, I knew it was just a matter of time or whatever. Like, Yeah. Okay. And, and Reed's like, okay. so you wanted to get caught. And so at this point, Reed and Derek like think he's the killer. But Nathan has like no idea they think that about him. So he's just like, I knew you'd catch me. I knew you'd realize I was a monster, like whatever. And both of them were like, Nathan, this looks really bad. And they like find his writing. And he's like, no, it's a Jack the Ripper graphic novel. And he's like, I, I didn't kill her, but I really wanted to. And they're just kind of like, hmm. Yeah, they're both fully like doubt. Doubt. <laughs> um, cut to the interrogation room. There's a, okay, they, there is a Deer Park water bottle just like perfectly in focus and then a chocolate bar that is out of focus and it is so clear that one of these is product placement and one of these is just like a prop. And it's I was so like, weird. interesting. It was weird. I was like, okay. And also they just like were like, and here's a chocolate bar. Child. Yeah, why did they give him a chocolate bar? <laughs> is it because they wouldn't give him a lawyer? Like... <laughs> Is this chocolate bar your lawyer, kid? Is that yeah. what this is? <laughs> That's very funny. Um, and then Derek is like, okay, well, if you didn't kill him, how do you know about the killing? And the guy's like, Nathan is like, I saw the body on my way to school in an alley off K Street. And they were like, well, why are you there? And he says, I just end up there sometimes. Do you ever just, like, go walking and end up places? I mean, like... I like once the first time maybe but after that you kind of you know what's there and what you're heading towards yeah it's yeah. weird to me because like I grew up in a tiny shit small town there was nothing to do except like go drive around and I feel like when I was just like aimlessly driving around around with my friends I feel like there's there's never like a spot where I would go and just be like oh we just ended up here again you know what I mean yeah. Like, it's just, it's weird to me. It's weird. Yeah, it's a weird comment. I mean, in a big city like this, like, I can see how you walk around and you, like, end up in the same place. But, like, if you're doing that the first time and you end up on a street full of sex workers and there's people, like, having sex in an alley and you, like, see women getting, like, beaten and then you continue to go back there. That's weird. That's weird. That's like, weird, the first time, I'll weird. give it to you. <laughs> The rest I'll give of it, it to you the first time and I'll give it to you if you're super lost, but that's it. Like, yeah. you know, after, if you're not lost, what are you doing? Yeah. And then he says he stays out all night and he comes back in the morning, but if his mom isn't, is working and not home, he just doesn't come home. So it's clear that he's purposefully going to that street just to kind of stand around all night. Also, damn, when do you sleep, little guy? I don't think he does. I mean fair the the eye bags would really play into that yeah. theory yeah but like damn i know guy. um okay gideon and his mom gideon and nathan's mother is ta are talking and the mom is like don't you know just because he has dark thoughts it doesn't mean he's like a danger he's a good boy he's bright he just like lives in his head more than other kids you know his father died when he was nine it was emotionally grueling but we got through it together and then the mom is gideon's like so you're close and she's like oh yeah we're really close don't read into that 
<laughs> She's like, don't even. She's like, stop preemptively. Preemptively, shut the fuck up, Gideon. And honestly, <laughs> so true. Honestly, I also want to so tell true. Gideon to shut the fuck up preemptively. Yeah, all the time. Uh, you find out the mom teaches at GW Medical School and she's on call at the hospital two weeks a month. So Nathan has like a ton of freedom and just kind of can do whatever he wants because up until now he's been really responsible. A good kid. Yeah. yeah. He's so a Nathan, latchkey kid, basically. Yeah, basically. Uh, weren't we all? <laughs> yes. Nathan, Derek, and Reed are talking. And Derek's like, why didn't you call the police? And he's like, I don't know. And Derek's like, Okay. Uh, the sex workers say that you watch them all the time. He's like, I never touched them. I never touched them. And they're like, what did you think about it? And he's like, well, actually, I don't think about sex. I th- I do think about killing them. He's really like up front with them the whole time. I got to give this kid credit. Like, all right. Uh, if there's anybody you're going to confess dark thoughts to, might as well be these people who are paid to do this for a living. You know what I mean? Like, he's just up front. One of the things I had a really hard time with in this episode, especially now that I'm on my own, like, healing from mother trauma journey, when he's going to the hospital in the morning and his mom goes to work the night before. Yeah, that's fucked up, isn't it? That is fucked up. That's fucked up. Like, as someone who has been to the psych ward if like anytime I was left alone in like the month and a half before that things got real bad I cannot imagine can you imagine being a mother you hear your child is like having thoughts of killing women you know, and again, like what happened with me when I was a kid is I'd be like, I'm having a panic attack. My mom would be like, you don't know what a panic attack is. No, you're not. <laughs> Instead of being like, well, we don't know if it's a panic attack, but clearly you're upset about something. Right. That's, yeah. you know, in her, his mom is just like, no, sure. He's got bad thoughts, but that doesn't mean he's going to act on it. Like he hasn't done anything yet. So like, whatever, fine. I'll put him in the hospital. You know, we'll take care of it. But like, I'll just leave him alone until then. And also like. Is that not a safety risk? One. Not to like, I mean, yes, to himself, but also to other people. Yes. You are putting him in the hospital because he has thoughts of murdering people. Maybe like get a good, get a close friend to come over for the night and y'all just camp out in front of his room. Like, yes, this is not rocket science. He has already verbally said, I have suicidal urges. I am thinking about killing myself. You don't leave a 16-year-old kid with suicidal ideations and also homicidal ideations alone. And I don't know why you wouldn't drop him off in the middle of the night. Yeah, it's not like these places are fucking closed for business. Yes. A hospital is pretty notoriously open 24-7. You are a doctor. Yeah. His mom is straight up just like not believing it. And like, I really feel like in a case like this, even if you're like, I don't think that ever hurt anybody. That person is still like, it's gone to the point where Nathan has gone outside of his family for help. Yeah. 
he is asking for help. He's asking for this evaluation. He is saying, I'm going to do this if you don't put me away. This is an inevitability. Mm-hmm. I need help. And his mom is like, no, 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 you're fine. It's fine. He's a good kid. He wouldn't do anything. And just not listening to him at all, you yeah. know, he is a good kid and he's doing his best. He just, his mother is just not letting him do his best, you know? Yeah. And it's so, girl, he is asking for help. Yeah. Let him get that help. Yes. Um. Yeah. Especially because like he tells them here, he goes out all the time at night, especially when she's not home. If she's not home, he's not home. You know, and then she's like, I'm not going to lock him away, but I'll get him a therapist every day. Like, that's not going to stop his behavior, though. Yeah. You know? It's just... I don't know why she wouldn't want him to get help. Um, Okay. And so, yeah. And so he says, like, I, I've seen Reed at the Metro a few times. I thought that maybe he could help me. You know, and he says, like, when I saw the body, it turned me on and it scared me. And Derek's like, is there a possibility that you did do this, but you just like can't admit it to yourself? And he's like, no, I didn't do it. I haven't done anything yet. And Reed goes, well, then why'd you run away from me? And Nathan's like, I thought you would say I'm crazy. Like, I am crazy. You know, and I thought if I like straight up just like said this to you, you would be like, what the fuck, lock him away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's rough. So then Gideon gives the mom a Fiji water. <laughs> uh, it's very funny. Derek comes out and it's like, hey, I talked to him. Will you let him stay for an evaluation? And the mom's like, he's a sweet boy. And Derek's like, I believe you. He still has to do an evaluation, though. Um, so Reed takes the mom away. And Emily comes in and is like, hey, the social worker is here for Nathan. And then she talks to Derek. She's like, Derek, is it him? You know, and Derek's like, he seems sincere. But he's really smart, and we know that a part of the sexual sadist profile is mimicking honesty and sincerity. So, like, yeah, he seems honest and sincere, but that's kind of part of the fucking profile. Yeah. Yeah. And then I said I like that they're talking, and Derek is, like, honest, talking to her honestly, which is Yeah, nice. again, they're in their bestie era. Yeah. And Derek they will has, continue like, no... to be in their bestie era for the rest of the show. The rest of the show. Besties for life. <laughs> Truly like, ride or die. They really um, do get so ride or die. I love it. They really do. I mean, oh, I'm just thinking about season six. This is the start of it. My fucking heart. Just besties. My fucking heart. Um, okay. Yeah, and also I like that Derek, Derek does not doubt Emily at all. There's like no hesitation. He's like, hey, welcome to the team. Cool. He's like, hey, let me talk with you about my thoughts about this current case that we have because we are co-workers and we are team members and that's what we have yeah. to do now. Like, yeah. I like that he's he's very much, like, bought in just like JJ was. Yeah, for sure. I um, feel like as soon as, like, somebody actually earnestly talks to Emily, they're like, hey, Emily's kind of fucking great. And I think literally. it says a lot that the only people who aren't really, like, earnestly bought into Emily are the two people who want nothing to do with her and have not spoken to her. Literally. <laughs> like, literally. everybody who talks to her is like, hey, she's pretty cool. Yeah. Penelope is like, we're besties immediately. JJ is like, yeah, you seem cool and smart. Like, let's hang. Derek is like, yeah, she's really nice and like i think she asks good questions and then hotch is like you're a fucking spy and gideon's like 
what? We have a new woman on the team. <laughs> We have a new <laughs> team member. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they're having this moment, and Derek's all like, "We know the profile is to like fake being honest and sincere," and then it just cuts to Nathan's face, like, off, like, ooh, disassociating, disassociating right into the camera, and yeah. then it zooms into his eyeball, and yeah. we we see like a little daydream of his where he picks up a sex worker and they're like getting all sexy and then he stabs her and is like twisting and it's all bloody and then it zooms out and he's just like huh right as the door opens and emily's like hey hey we're ready for you (laughs) um yeah so weird i I was like, sorry. And not decide if I love or hate shit like this because it is dorky, and like I understand why they put it here, but also, wow, it's it, you know what it is. You know what it is when we get like Gideon or Rita, whoever, standing at the whiteboard, and all the pictures are coming mm-hmm. and like moving mm-hmm. around. That's like you know the good guys seeing the crime. So in order for the audience to see that crime, we're not going to see it externally. It's going to be internal to the unschmuck. Okay. <laughs> I hate calling this kid that, right? So so like when the profilers think of things, it comes out into the world and they're thinking of the numbers and the statistics and the memories. But when it's the unsub, we go into his head to see okay. the violence. In the same way that we've had like, it looks like they're filming on the camcorder when it's the killer on the camcorder or like through the lens of the rifle in mm-hmm. LDSK, you okay. know? Yeah. Yeah. But like right. this kid, it hasn't, he hasn't actually done a crime yet. He hasn't externalized it yet. He's yeah. So, it's, it. so we're seeing his crimes, but they're still at this point contained in his head. Yeah. Okay. No, I you give know? it to you. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I was like, this is stupid, but like, I get it. (laughs) Um, Emily gets him, takes him out and he goes to talk to Reed and is like, Reed, can you promise me like whatever the outcome of the evaluation is where you tell me the truth and Reed nods and he says, my mom says a promise doesn't count unless you say it out loud. And Reed's like, I promise. Uh (laughs) Which I kind of cute actually yeah it was like really cute it's really such moment. a cute little like it's such a mom thing to say too right. like and such like a 16 year old thing to say yeah and it's like this is what my mom always says so can you yeah. please actually promise like that's why i'm like why does cute. reed not continue to spend time with this kid or like keep tabs on this kid or whatever you know yeah um so oh garcia's also there and she's like you know reed like it's not your job to hold his hand and Reed compares this to his mother, where he's like, I feel like if I just understood everything, I'd be able to fix it. And Penelope goes, Aw, no. Sorry, no. That's not how she it is very much not having his like Yeah. I have to fix all the world's problems things this episode. Yeah. And I kind of She's like, of This love is not that. your problem. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I kind of love that. I feel like it's the thing where like women in our in our society we live in a society. We do live in a society. And we live in a society where women are given the emotional labor, you know, and like 
have to put it on themselves to help the men in their life, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like Penelope has done the work to be like, um, no, this sounds like a you problem. Oh, yeah. sweetie, I'm not a therapist. You know, so when she sees Reed taking on this kid's pain, she's like, Reed, baby. You don't need to. You don't have, you're not responsible for this kid's mental health. You can help him. You can support him. You cannot fix him. We yeah. cannot fix other people. Right? Yeah. So I like that she's that voice for him. And then Hot shows up and is like, if it's not Nathan, we need a profile. Let's go. And leaves. And Garcia kisses her fingers and puts them on Reed's forehead. She like, long distance forehead kiss. I was literally like, oh. That's literally the sweetest shit I've seen in my entire fucking life. It is so goddamn cute. And he even is like, mm, I kiss. Like, it's so good to like, oh, it's yeah. just so good. Yeah. Penelope Garcia is the best of us, actually. Honestly, Penelope Garcia is the best of us. <laughs> the best of us. Um, okay. Cut to JJ. The DC Metro police sent pictures of the first victim. It was three months ago. They think that like the killer did the killing, then tried to control himself for three months, and then had to kill. But when he kills, he tried to say, help me, help me. Um, and it, But it seemed like he was ambivalent about the kill. So like, why cut the hair? Why when you don't even take it? And yeah. they're like, oh, it robs them of their femininity. And Reed's like, they probably also kill early in the morning because that's when they're least sexually powerful. Whereas at the night when they're like on the prowl hunting for men. Um... And then Emily's like, hey, not to be that person, um, this does sound like Nathan Harris. And Hotch goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I do like that Emily does this and then Derek backs her up and he's like, yeah. no, like, she, she's right there. Like, it does seem like this kid. Yeah. He knew the like, victim. I love that Derek gets somebody in his little, like, doubting Thomas corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I just like, she's like, this kind of sounds like Nathan Harris, guys. And he goes, I don't want to talk about Nathan Harris. And she's like, <laughs> she literally is like, oop. Okay, fine. All right. Yeah, but then Derek is like, she's right, Hotch. Like, he knew about the victim. He admitted to getting off on the crime. And Hotch is like, we already have him in custody. So, like, it's no use talking about him. And I was like, okay. And, and, he, and he, to be fair, Hotch is also kind of correct here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's wrong. I think he's little dick about the way he goes about it but i don't think he's wrong but i also like in the future and in the past when they have a suspect in custody they stop looking for the killer so i think that he's kind of like everyone else is like well we've got him in custody so why are we still doing a profile whereas he's like believing nathan and being like hey it really could be like not this kid so yeah this mm -hmm. kid really could just be a fucking weirdo yeah this kid could just he get like really a could um <laughs> not to call him a freak i'm just joking um okay and then reed do you see this picture that i put in our google doc reed is wearing his watch over his cardigan and his shirt too. and his shirt like it's on the outside of his sleeve hold up let me okay let me wear my watch like reed right now okay doing this live on air taking my, <laughs> putting my watch on like a fucking idiot this is 
You are the Spencer Reed of the show. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Also, my glasses that I usually wear look exactly like Reed's glasses. I know. I just looked at your glasses and I was like, hey, wait, where are Reed's glasses? I literally have them sitting right in front of me. Oh, my. <laughs> like, you, these are Reed's glasses. Anyway, you have to do a costume. I... <laughs> emotionally that would ruin me <laughs> emotionally i would not recover you like even have his season five haircut right now stop i know, I know. <laughs> this is objectively oh, yeah. the worst way to wear a watch ever. no it's bad no it's bad what if you need to like roll your sleeves roll up. up your sleeve no it looks really stupid it looks so stupid it's not even comfortable either is the thing because, like, no. you can tell his sleeve is, like, sort of... It's, like, scrunched up in there. Scrunched up over his hand. Like, yeah. what are you going to do when you go to the bathroom and have to wash your hands, Spencer Reed? Oh, Are you just going to suffer like that? <laughs> are you going to roll up your sleeve like a big boy? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So Gideon, they're, like, having this argument, and Gideon goes, all right, all right, all right, all right. Anyway. He's a sexual sadist. And then he's like, the stabbing means he's impotent. And Derek's like, he has to kill to get off. And Reed goes, you know, maybe it has less to do with sex and more to do with power. He feels powerless, maybe in his working life, but he has access to sex workers. And that's why he's choosing this. So then they show the map of the two killings, one of which is right outside my fucking trivia place. <laughs> yeah. Um, And then they show... Emily is like, Emily's like, hey, okay, I'll go out in the morning. Um, I'll ask if anyone knows, you know, who it is. I'll tell them the descriptions. And Hotch is like, okay, it's late, go home. And JJ goes, oh, by the way, um, do you want me to get the word out to the press? And Hotch is like, no, it's okay. And you see Emily, like, looking between them. Because, like, if she's Congresswoman Steyer's spy, she would know that the Congresswoman said, don't put it in the press. Don't put it in the press, yeah. So she'd be, like, watching to see what Hotch did. Uh, Hotch is like, no, don't. And JJ's like, well, it's not too late to make the morning edition. He goes, I said no. And JJ makes this face of, like, oh. Okay, asshole. Like, <laughs> Yeah, she's really, like, okay, fine, fuck. I think yeah. this is looking a few episodes ahead, but JJ calls Hotch a bully at one point. And I've seen a lot of people comment of like, when was he ever a bully? He's not a bully, whatever. He does snap at people a, a lot. lot. A like, lot. Like a lot. Like at everybody except Gideon. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he's not like personally mean, but, but like if you go to work nippy. and yeah, like if you go to work and you're afraid of that your boss is going to snap at you, that's your boss bullying you. Um, so I think it's interesting that they show these little moments where he can lose himself in his anger. We know his anger is a big deal and it comes into play in a few seasons. But I think this is interesting to like see him get letting his anger get the best of him in this episode. Like, he does lose some of his, like, tight control to anger. Okay. Yeah. In the morning, Anna is out and about looking for little Holly. And she calls little Holly on the phone, and she hears a ring in the alley she's conveniently standing beside. 
And she goes down and she finds little Holly dead. And it's like, she immediately starts like pouting. She like crumbles like a kid. Yeah. And like runs out of the alley. And it's so sad. It is. Yeah. And then it cuts to Derek, Reed, Hotch, and Emily. And Emily is squatting in front of little Holly. And it's like, the carving says failure. And she pulls out her ID. And Emily goes, she was 16. And she genuinely sounds like she's about to start crying. Yeah. Like she actually is like, I have to walk away. And that's when she gets up and walks away. Like she fully looks like she's about to start crying. Yeah. Kudos um, to everybody in this scene. It's a good. It's well acted. Is, yeah, it's a good scene. Um, so then they're like, okay, well, he's getting angrier. He's not cooling off. He's killing people faster, which means there's going to be more deaths. And Hotch goes, meanwhile, Congresswoman Steyer is going to host a press conference on the steps of the Capitol and declare D.C. crime-free. And then they goes, oh, yeah, what did you talk to her about the other day? And he goes, shut the fuck up, Emily. <laughs> he doesn't say that, obviously. Um, he's like, it was a private conversation. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, my bad. <laughs> like, She, like, immediately of- has, like, the only response you can have in that situation of, like, okay, yeah, sorry. But literally, like, look at the fucking look he gives her. He gives her this look. This is the look emotionally I give you whenever you start talking about fucking Josh. I'm like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up about Josh or the Josh Miss. The number of times this episode where Emily's like, oh, yeah, what's that about? And he goes, shut the fuck up, Prentice. <laughs> it's like emotionally he says that. And he gives her this look like, look. Get out of here. And she's yeah. and she's just like, my bad. I okay. Sorry. <laughs> like, hey. sorry. Bye. Um and then Emily's like, so do we stop the evaluation now? Because like it's not him. <laughs> and Reed's like, no, he deserves to know. Okay, we see the evaluation, which is rough. Um, although I didn't write it down, but there's that one really funny exchange where Gideon's like, ignore the lawyer, he's not important. No offense. And the guy goes, none taken. <laughs> it's like super just like this lawyer was here for like 30 seconds and he was like i guess i'm gonna just like vibe like yeah. he just got paid to sit there he's like i just have to like make sure they don't talk about the case does it um okay so this is interesting so nathan brings up that he doesn't wet the better start fires there's like a trio of like early signs someone's gonna be a serial killer that are kind of debunked now yeah um i think it's four there's like a head injury wetting the bed older than you should be quote unquote you know starting fires and killing animals or doing those those last three are um known as like what are they called like the homicidal triad or whatever yeah that that name has been disproven and like we don't use that anymore but but i guess in 2006 that was still like seen as like a thing um, and I think they are common factors, yes. but it's like, if you do those three things, you're not going to be a serial killer for, for sure, for yeah. sure. But most serial killers or violent criminals tend to do these things because there's signs of like, you know, abuse as a child. Trauma. Trauma. There's sense of trauma, yeah. right. Wetting the bed, starting fires, hurting things smaller than you. Like, you know, that's a sign of a, an unhappy child, an emotionally damaged child um and nathan's basically like 
it's hard to talk about, but I, I want to understand how I'm feeling. And that's why I've been like reading all this stuff. And like, and he says, like, I've been thinking about hurting women. And he's like, one time I killed a bird. And when he like, Gideon like asked him to kind of talk about it. And he says, I was sad. So I hurt this bird and then I felt better. And he was like, I think it was because it was dead and I was alive. And that made me feel better. Which is, which is rough. Yeah. Um, like I, I think it's bad. I see the logic in it, but it's it's not logic mentally healthy people get to. Um, and then Gideon brings up, okay, but like, okay, why do you want to hurt women? And Nathan's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is about like human women that make me want to just hurt them physically. So then. He mentions how, you know, his mom teaches these classes at the hospital and he saw a cadaver and he got turned on because it's a naked woman, but then he felt really sick. Uh, and Gideon's like, yeah, you saw a naked woman, like, you're that's a teenage boy, normal. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's like not the weirdest thing I've heard today, kid. <laughs> right. But then the kid says, yeah, but now I can, I only think about women dead um and he's like i don't imagine myself having sex with these sex workers i think about cutting them open i want to look inside them i want to feel their blood flow through my fingers and gideon's like does it make you climax and he's like yeah (laughs) and then he's like i'm crazy you know once they lock me up they're not gonna let me out again which is both true and not true Right. One of the things I wish, and and Reed does say this kind of at the end, uh, but like I just wanted someone, like Gideon or someone, to be like, you are 16. Like when you're 16, when you're that age, 16, I'd say from 16 to 20, you feel like an adult. You feel like you've got life figured out. You feel like, you know, if you're single, you're like, I'm never going to find someone to love me. I'm already 16 and I'm, yeah. you know, don't got a boyfriend, like whatever. But sometimes you just need someone to like shake you and be like, you're 16. The life expectancy is like 80 something. You've got like 70 years of your life left. Like calm down. And I just yeah. wanted someone to be like, okay, you're having these thoughts. And I know like it is i'm sure it is terrifying because you know that it's bad you know that you might hurt somebody or yourself and that's scary and it is scary but you're 16 you know if you get help now even if it takes you know five years for you to get better or 10 years for you to get better you won't even be 30 yet like you have so much time to get over this and no one really says that to him it's also like your brain is still developing in weird ways when you're 16 yes like your brain doesn't ever really stop until like you're like what 26 or whatever like you got 25 10 more years of like your brain yeah. adjusting yeah. i just wanted someone to say like i really wanted there to be and it kind of is like i said at the end of the read but i really wanted like Gideon like I feel like Gideon coming from Gideon it would have meant a lot just to be like you did the right thing like the fact that you came to us because you don't want to hurt people good. means you're a good person 
Yeah. You know, like if you were a bad person, you would have just gone out and killed people, but you didn't. You came for help. You want to be better. So going to the hospital, getting help, now's the time. You haven't done anything yet. You have urges, but you don't want to do these things. Now's the time to get help. This is when you're going to get better. It's going to be okay. You're a good person. You asked for help. No one says that to him. And I feel like that would have been so good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the evaluation ends and the mom comes up and like hugs Nathan and Gideon and her going to the office. She and Gideon go into the office and Gideon's like, yeah, Nathan should be like hospitalized with full-time medical attention. And the mom, this is where the mom is like, I mean, he came for help. It shows he's concerned. And Gideon says, admitting the problem doesn't mean you can manage it. And that just hit me so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. See, here's the thing. The first step is admitting you have a problem. Yeah. Not the last step. That's why it's the first of many steps. The first thing you have to do is admit you have a problem. And then you work on the problem. Uh, And mom's like, yeah. His mom's like, yeah, I'm not going to lock him away. I'm not going to put him in a hospital. But I'll take him to the therapist every day. I was like, um, you don't take, you don't like see him every day. She does. That's she already does not see him every day. Yeah, exactly. Like, girl. yeah. And I really hate this stigma of like a mental hospital is a place where bad people go or like where crazy people go. Like, yeah, they're very much like he's never gonna get out of here. Like, no, girl, he will. Like, but he will though. He will. <laughs> Like, Again, he's 16. And he hasn't done a crime. Like, this isn't jail. Yeah. It's a he's hospital. He's not done a crime yet. He he's just sick. said maybe he would like to do crimes. Yeah, he's sick. And so he needs to go to the hospital because he's sick. Like, what? Yeah, that made me really mad. Okay. Hodge brings Emily into his office to talk. We need to spend a moment. Emily outfit alert. Boop, 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 boop. It is oh, Emily's the outfit alert. It is Emily, the first of so many turtlenecks we will get from Emily. So many turtlenecks. She looks so gay in this gray turtleneck. This gray turtleneck is just like a look. It's like a look, though. She looks so. She has gray turtlenecks. She has beige turtlenecks. She has black turtlenecks. Turtlenecks. She has turtlenecks all all up and down the fucking monochrome <laughs> rainbow, basically. <laughs> like, uh, Emily Pritchett in a red turtleneck. Kill me. That'd be so good. We don't get it, but we should have. I feel like she has one of those one of those closets that's like, you know, in like cartoons when they like open up their closet and it's like 17 of the same outfit. <laughs> I feel like Emily would have like 17 turtlenecks arranged in rainbow order like i feel like 100%. that's emily's closet her closet like she has we know she has like some cheeky tank tops and some very low cut shirt shirts but it is 100 it's arranged by temperature and then by color so she's got her like oh no you know who emily is emily is it's starting to get chilly Time to put away my summer wardrobe and get out my winter wardrobe. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's She's her like, I guess I'll put away my, yeah, no, you're yeah. 1000% correct yeah. there. She has a storage, like a temperature controlled storage unit. So for like half the year, it's winter and then she's got her summer. And then if she needs like a special like dress or something, she goes and she gets it from the closet. 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's Emily. One hundred percent bougie bitch. Okay. Um. So she goes to Hutch's office and they sit down. And she's all like, "I don't know why I'm here." Oh, she says like, "Hey, sorry if I overstepped earlier. Like that wasn't my intention." And he's like, "I don't appreciate being questioned." And she's like, "No, yeah, I get it. My bad." And then he goes, "So what the congresswoman want the other day when you hugged her?" And she's like, "Oh, she just said hi. She worked with her mom. My mom. You know, I I've known her since I was a kid." And he's like, "Hmm, did you tip her off about the case?" And she like. Emily tenses and then goes, no, like it had never crossed her mind to tip anybody off. And she never thought that she'd be asked this question. Mm -hmm. She's straight up like, what the fuck? And he's like, the team needs to trust to function. And Emily literally says, hey, I'm sorry if I overstepped, but I don't deserve this. Like, which is like really interesting way for her to word this if I don't mm-hmm. deserve this. Yes. Like I really like this. Hey. Yeah, Emily says, "Listen. I made a mistake. I'll admit to it. I don't deserve to lose your trust for asking a question. I have done nothing to lose your trust. I do not deserve for you to take it away like this." And then Hotch is like, you showed up under mysterious circumstances after one of my team members was involved in a questionable shooting. And Emily's like, right. And he's like, I don't want a political agenda. And Emily is like, I hate politics. I hate them. They're bad. They destroy families. Absolutely not. So if you don't fucking mind, I'm going to go find a goddamn serial killer, sir. And then she just leaves. And then she goes, bye. And just sir? Like, sir. And leaves. I, and I think this scene is really good for a lot of reasons. Yes. N- not the least of which is Emily's little sir. And then oh. leaving. Emily's like verbal double middle finger. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, I really like, though, Emily admitting, like, hey, I might have fucked up by asking this question. I'm sorry if I did. You can't keep dragging that over my head if I have admitted I fucked up and apologized for it. So what is this actually about? Yes. Like, I don't deserve you continuing to talk about this because I have apologized. I am good. Are you good? What is actually bothering you? Yeah, and I think this is also a really great scene because, like, we have had that kind of, like, doubt about nepotism and all of that. And I think this is a really great scene that kind of totally, like, takes that out of the picture you know because her question is you worked for my mother did you like her and he's like she was she was a great woman and you know and emily's like exactly like nobody likes her (laughs) nobody likes her i'm not like her i'm not a politician there's a reason i'm not a politician and i like this little hint at kind of childhood trauma of this unhappy you know, she shows up and she's like, I want this job. Give me this job. I'm so smart and I'm cute and I traveled. And I'm now I'm like hot and gay. And like, I know all these people and like, things are going great. I'm so smart. But then she's like, yeah, I fucking hate myself because I grew up in this political climate. I could never trust anybody. Politics tears families apart and damages people. That's what Emily says. Yeah. Emily says, my mother was a politician and politics damages people. 
And I think that is so telling. It says so much about Emily and it says a lot about why she is doing this and not any other job. Yeah. And this is skipping ahead a little bit, not a big spoiler, but she says later, like, I'm going to take the foreign service exam, meaning she's going to go become an ambassador. And when that happens, because of this moment, we know what a sacrifice that would be, you know? Mm -hmm. But like the idea that she's like, okay, if I can't work here, I'm going to go somewhere else that helps people. You know, I just think this, this tiny little scene tells us like everything we need to know about Emily. Yeah. She's here to get the job fucking done. She's here to do a fucking job. And if you're not going to let her do that, then get the fuck out of her way. For real. I put a picture here for giving him. She gives him crazy eyes. She gives him like. I will kill you with my eyeballs. <laughs> she gives him like this look that says, you don't have to believe me, but if you don't believe me, you're fucking stupid. Yeah. She gives him that look, but it's also she's like, there's a feral bitch in here. <laughs> She gives him this look of like, oh, I can do crazy. Hot. Like, if you want to see some fucking, if you want to see some backstabbing shit, you wait. I will yeah. do it. <laughs> you fucking wait, you wait. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. So then, and then I like this. Reed is standing in the doorway to Gideon's office and he sees Emily like walk by and he makes this face of like, ooh. <laughs> Thanks. Like, He's like, what happened? I don't want to like. <laughs> He's like, what happened there? That's twice now. Hotch has just like wrecked Emily's whole mood. <laughs> One combo with Hotch and Emily's like, I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> God, okay. yeah. Hotch this episode, early Hotch really loves to just shit on Emily's parade, huh? Yeah. He really loves to fucking ruin this girl's day. Yeah, and it lasts this whole season and it isn't until... Um, and then I season look- three, they're like, chill. Well, season three, there's After- a whole episode, you know. After they Something have happens. the episode, then they're yeah. like chill. Then they're yeah. just like chill. Best. Well, the thing is, is, like, is I what? feel I feel they like they do have a lot of in common. They both have mothers who are prestigious and come from a prestigious American family. They grew up rich. They went to boarding school. They had not great. Well, Hotch had a not great dad. We don't know anything about Emily's, um, which kind of says he wasn't great. Um, they like don't enjoy politics, but they like helping people. They have a lot in common, you know? Yeah. So I think that, like, once they, once Hotch can trust Emily and once Emily can trust Hotch, they get to be besties. And then they're besties after that. And then they're just, like, pure besties, yeah. Yeah. She she gets, like, in his confidant circle, which is very nice. Okay. Um, Reed has wet hair. <laughs> he, like, took a shower in the morning, came to work with wet hair. Okay. He's like, so how's uh, Nathan? And Gideon's basically like, it's not a matter of if he hurts somebody, but when. Which um, is like, coming yeah. from Gideon, that's like a yeah. oof moment. Yeah. Um. So then Nathan's mom knocks on his door and he's gone. And she like goes through his things. She like looks under his bed and finds like a porno mag. But all of the naked women have like crime scene photos like taped over their bodies. So they all look like corpsey. And his mom is like, oh, shit. Uh, my bad. Girl, did you not trust the medical professionals? Literally. What is up here? You're a doctor. Why are you not trusting these medical professionals? Is it a matter of the fact? Is it the fact that you are a doctor means you are not trusting these other medical professionals? 
I think it's that thing of like, or is it because it's your son? I think it's the thing of like, I, if I admit he's struggling and he's having these issues, then I have to admit that I didn't catch it. Yeah. I didn't notice my kids struggling. They had to go essentially over my head to get help when I was here and I should have been the one to help him. I think that's part of it, especially because she talks about how close they are. So like the fact that he couldn't come to her with something like this, you know? Yeah. Um, Okay. So then Reed and Derek are driving around looking for Nathan and Derek is like, it's, I can't believe his mom isn't out here searching. And Reed is like, I told her to stay home so that if he comes home, okay, you know, And Derek says the same thing Penelope says and says, Reed, you know, this is not your responsibility, right? Like, this is not your responsibility. And Nathan's like, he knows I understand him. I know what it's like to be afraid of your own mind. (sighs) (laughs) I made a note. Size across the board for that one. I made a note that said, I don't like the comparing of mental illnesses like that. Like, Reed may develop schizophrenia, although schizophrenia usually develops in your early to mid-20s, so if Reed isn't showing signs, he, it's probably kind of okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't like comparing a mental illness, like schizophrenia or dementia, you know, to wanting to murder women to look inside them. There's a large gap here. Yeah. Of like, on a scale of like, intrusive thoughts to wanting to murder people, there's like a canyon of difference here. There is so much. I know what it's like to be afraid of your own mind. Okay, yeah, that may be true, right? Sure, that is a very real fear that Reed has. And that's a valid fear. You also don't want to murder people. Yeah. And I also think that like Reed's fear is that what happened to his mother will happen to him, which is like losing critical thought, losing your memory, losing your intelligence. It's not like acting on violent impulses. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not even like this, like his mom did not become like, hyper violent beyond what you know kind of dementia does to you but it's not comparable you know in the same way like in derailed right reed is like i relate to this guy who's hearing voices and wants to shoot people and it's like why also reed doesn't like has not developed these mental illnesses yet it's like a potential for it and i understand the potential for violence versus the potential to develop, you know, this kind of mental illness that impairs cognitive function, but it's not the same. And Nathan is actively like, hey, I might kill someone tomorrow. Whereas yeah, Reed like, is like- if you like, don't stop me, I may murder somebody. Whereas Reed is like- In 20 years, maybe I won't remember yeah. my mother's name, you know? And and I'm not trying to downplay dementia Reed's very or schizophrenia. Yeah. yeah, they are very valid fears. I completely understand them. But it is, it's not, it's not even a matter of levels. It's just not the same 
as what Nathan is going through. And I don't, and it's, I'm not blaming, even blaming Reed here. I'm blaming the writers. Like, stop using Reed as a schizophrenic mother <laughs> as a reason for him to relate to every violent young person. It's, it's not just the same. so. Mental Ill- all, all mental illnesses are not the same. No. They do not unify everybody with various mental illnesses. No. Like, it's just, it's such a weird comparison. Like, I know what it's like to be afraid of your own mind. Okay, yeah, sure. But also, he's not afraid of his own mind. He's also afraid of the fact that he is going to kill somebody. Yeah. He is afraid of his hands. He is afraid of his... I was just going to say his body. He is afraid of his body acting, you know, yeah. Outside of his control. He is not just afraid of his mind, he is afraid of his hands. And I so think why are you making it into like this false equivalence? It's yeah. So- and I also think, you know, I think right now Nathan is living that kind of like two truths existing at the same time where he wants to murder women, but he wants to not murder women. <laughs> You know, and for Nathan, both of these things are true at the same time. And that's what's so terrifying. It's like he has his real brain saying hurting people is bad. I need help. I need to find someone to help me. And then he has his, I guess, mental illness brain saying, go do this. His intrusive thoughts are saying, hey, go murder somebody. Yeah. His like violent desires saying, go murder someone, go hurt someone, you know, and he's kind of living these two truths at once. Reed is living in fear of losing the ability to know the truth. Mm -hmm. And I get it and it's valid and it's understandable, but it is not the same. And I don't like that criminal minds just kind of throws Reed at every mentally ill person because they decided it's one day developing a mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. That's what really frustrates me, especially because like there are so many times that they could have like, I think JJ is a great candidate for depression or Emily or something like that. Like, I think they could have given somebody else on the team a little bit of the mental illness. A little you know? bit of a relating to the mentally ill people as a treatment. Yeah, as opposed to like, okay, if they're abused as a kid, it's either Hodge or Derek. If they're a parent who's scared, it's either Hodge or JJ. If they're a uh, you know, misogynist or like a young woman, it's Emily. If they're mentally ill, it's Reed, you know? And it was like, you could spread the wealth coming Also, I mean, it's just a part of the fact that eventually Reed sort of became the main character of Criminal Minds. And I think Ugh. that's why, which is such a fucking eye roll from both of us. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Eventually... He just gets you given trauma after trauma. Yeah, eventually you can't give these things to other people on the team because then what would Reed do as the main character of Criminal Minds? Right. As the main character of this ensemble show. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway. Tangent done for now. Tangent done. Um, we come we, back. <laughs> yeah. We see the beanie and jacket guy grab a woman's arm and like pull her away. And then they go back to the car and Reed's like, man, what was up with Hodge today? (laughs) And Derek says, I don't know, maybe he tied that knot in his tie a little too tight again. (laughs) Um, Which I like the again on there because it implies that in the past, 
something happened. Yeah, he's had a day like this before. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then Derek gets a phone call and they found a body. Um, The woman was like stabbed to death across the street from the Capitol building in like full view of the Washington Monument. Um, It was a fast and messy kill. They didn't cut any hair and they're killing at night. And that's like, this is all new stuff. And the police, a policeman comes to read and says, hey, they found the kid you're looking for. And Nathan's like, yeah, I've been sitting in this church for four hours. And he's like, I had urges, but I just went to the church instead. No one has seen him. And he doesn't know anyone's dead. So he's like, it doesn't matter. Like, whatever. I just came here and sat. And Reed's like, it does matter. A woman was just stabbed. Um, and he's just like, are you going to cuff me? And then Reed, like, looks up at Derek, like, hmm. And Derek gives him his cuffs and he cuffs Nathan. I love that Reed doesn't even carry his own fucking I know. Bestie, and- you're an FBI agent. And Derek you should. Derek has like that pouch on the back of his belt for the handcuffs. The reverse fanny pack, yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> the booty pack. The booty pack, yeah. yeah. Um, and Nathan says, like, do you know what I was doing here? I've been sitting in church thinking that the only way for me to save lives is to kill myself. Um Yeah. Which is Dark. Uh, dark. <laughs> Um, so we're back at the BAU and JJ's like, so Nathan's in custody. Did he kill him? And Reed's like, I don't think so. Like Nathan is evolving. Whereas this last kill feels like a devolution. And Gideon's like, if Nathan killed him, it would have been clean and efficient. He's been thinking about it for so long. It's going to be a clean kill. We need to go back to the profile. So JJ said, or Hotch is like, okay, the first kill was to get a taste for killing. The second kill was asking the police for help. The third kill was like he feel, felt like the police failed him. And then the fourth was no ritual, no message. And then Reed is like, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The message is that it was across the street from the Capitol building right before the press conference. And JJ's like, that press conference hasn't been announced yet. So only somebody with inside information would know. So we get another little like hint, hint at Emily. Um but then Reed goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. We said, this guy probably feels powerless in his job. What's more powerless than being a bit player on the Washington stage? And Derek's, which is so like, okay, Reed. Dramatic. I know. So then Derek is like, okay, so he feels like he's done his part to clean up the streets and it was ignored. So we got the right message, but the wrong recipient. And Emily, like, Hotch is like, Emily, did any of the sex workers know him? And Emily goes, no, like, a few of them described the same guy, but they didn't recognize any mugshots. And Hatch goes, how quickly can we put together a press conference? And JJ goes, how fast do you need it? And then she makes this face like, Hatch, don't you know I, like, run this town? <laughs> yeah, she's like, I can make three calls and have everybody out here in five minutes. Like, yeah. you do not have to, don't test me, Hatch. Yeah. She just looks at him like, Okay, do you want to, like, give me a challenge next? Or are we just going to keep playing amateur hour? Give me 20 minutes. Like JJ sets up a press conference, and Hodge is like, hey, tomorrow there's going to be a press conference at the Capitol. Um, they're going to say crime is down, just true. But also, we do currently have a serial killer <laughs> targeting sex workers. Um, the police and the FBI are working tirelessly, but it is happening. And then JJ is like, to all the women working on the streets take caution and be on the lookout, which I really liked. Um, And then they say they believe the man works for a research group or a crime prevention group. So 
Josh is wearing matching outfits. If you're hearing this, that means that I'm actually editing this episode. So uh, that means I do get to make the rules and it means I can cut out James's Josh breakdown. Everybody wins. <laughs> you're anti. You're just an anti. You don't like happiness. I don't like Josh. Correct. You're correct. <laughs> you can call me a Josh anti. That's okay. That's You can do that. That's fine. I encourage you to do that because that is a correct statement. <laughs> Reed and Penelope are looking for the guy on the computer. And I wrote down what the, she typed into her search. She typed in congressional lobby pressure group with the keywords morality and values. I feel like that's so vague. Morality but and also, values? also when you think about the type of groups that describe themselves as supporting a certain type of values you get the type of group that they're looking for. You know what I mean? Well, like, I would have looked yes, up like in clean streets, you know, like. I mean, yeah, but a lot of people do crime prevention in different ways. You know what I mean? Like, I feel I like using, so. I, I'm not arguing for the fact that this is fucking good, but I feel like using morality and values as sort of like your, your key words for that search narrows it down to not just a certain type of group, but also to like that certain type of like, you know what I'm talking like the certain type of like Republican bullshit group. You know what like I mean? Dog whistles. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Like okay. dog whistles do work on dogs. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what she's looking for here. That's fair. Um, okay. Penelope is like, Hey needle meet haystack. And Reed's like, I don't need names. I just need a list of people who can give us names. So then Steyer shows up in Hodge's office and is like, you could have been that quieter. And he goes, I know. <laughs> I um, could have. Yeah, I could have. Correct. Uh, so he takes her to meet the sex workers. She's super rude to them. Um, they describe all the men, like, describe very similarly. So maybe she's going to recognize him. And oh yeah, there's a woman in the back with a headband that is the woman that Nathan like picks up later. Yeah. And I was like, ugh. Um, Sire calls them a sideshow. And I wrote that the black woman and the headband woman actually look very nice. Yeah, all of them look fairly respectable. None of them yeah. are like... Although I didn't like Anna is wearing like this crop top and these like tight... Like they just are very like, you know stereotypical sex worker and she's even like who you calling a sideshow lady like that whole like and i was like okay i mean but like, also whatever. like eh. yeah i was Close. like oh, okay. yeah Live i was like it. okay like um get over it you know what i mean yeah and then one of them says enough of the men you work with treat themselves to us every day and she goes my apologies ladies and i was like okay uh and then he's like okay describe the guy please and they describe him as tall, bald, with sad eyes, a turtleneck with a long dark coat. He looked like a mortician. Oh, and he just wanted to watch. I love watch. that mortician is one of those jobs that you can be like, he looked like a mortician. Actually, like, he looked like a mortician. How many jobs can you do that with beyond the ones that have very obvious uniforms like firefighter? You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's no other job that you can be like. He, he looked, looked like a barista. Like an accountant. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he looked like he takes care of accounts payable. Like, 
<laughs> you know, one of those dog walker types. Like, okay, <laughs> what does that mean? One of those real shifty janitor types. Like, there's yeah. no other, like... Yeah. Mortician is so specific. I know. But also... The way they describe him as turtleneck with a long dark coat just makes me think of like pro wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. Like, yeah, this motherfucker looks a little bit like Neo from the Matrix. Or I was just gonna say looks a little bit like the Undertaker, but casual. (laughs) Undertaker, I was like, isn't there a wrestler that's called like the Mortician? Like Yeah, I think he (laughs) is a mortician or like His manager dressed as a mortician or something like that. Stupid. Yeah. Wrestling is fucking great. It's terrible. I love it. I know. It. Hey, babe. <laughs> um, but like, I just love that they were like, tall, like, turtleneck, very much giving us like, casual wrestler, casual cosplay chic. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the girl with the headband is like, yeah, he paid me and another girl to like, I think she says like diddle each other, which is like, okay. She um, says turn each other's knobs. That's what it was. Which is a fucking hilarious statement. <laughs> I, I can only imagine someone trying to twist someone's nipples like radio <laughs> dials. Whenever someone says like, oh, turn your knobs. I'm like, like a TV set. Just the nipples twisty, twisty. Like I hate it. It's so terrible. It's bad. No, it's bad. <laughs> uh, and she's like, There's yeah, he, he paid to watch, but then he started yelling at us while we were doing what he paid us to do, that we were low women. And his voice got like really high and nasal. And Hotch is like, sound like anyone you know? And she's like, actually, no, I don't know anyone like that. So then Reed starts naming groups for her that lobbied for her legislation. And then... <laughs> He goes, decency watch. And there's like a stinger. It's like decency watch. Oh my God. The man who runs it. Like (laughs) Ronald Reams. Reams. Ronald Reams. What a name they had to definitely change to get through legal. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. That's way to hit my specific speech impediment. Um. (laughs) They made this name in 2006 just to spite you. Yeah, they went, you know what? <laughs> in like 18 years. <laughs> um, you know, that guy, Ronald Reams. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we see Reams writing the mean stuff that was on this computer. Writing before. the mean, nasty things. <laughs> the mean, nasty things. Um, this time it's on the Word doc. Thank goodness. Uh, he goes out to work and the wife is like, again? He's like, can't be helped. And he leaves. And then the BAU arrives at his house. Hot Gideon and Derek. And the wife opens the door and is like, oh, you just missed him. And they're like, hey, we're investigating the murders. And she's like, oh, good that he's helping. Uh, he's not here. And Derek's like, let's go to the office. And she's like, no one's allowed in there. Wait, come back later. And he's Gideon goes, in the last six months, has he been asking you to perform sexual fantasies and then berating you for it and it stopped about a month ago and the woman is like what the fuck why are you asking me about that and Derek's like you're afraid to ask why we're here and she's like I gotta go and just shuts the door and like through the door Gideon's like you're very frustrated when he's home you're glad he leaves and then when he comes back he's his usual self 
and she opens the door like oh my god yeah that's the part that makes me want you to let you in that's um, the thing that's the thing so they go to his office and there's like a bunch of newspaper clippings printouts of his writing and the wife is like i don't know where he went and this time we see the beanie man from the front and it's the, the guy beanie boy the beanie boy also if he's always wearing that beanie how do you know he's bald um <laughs> that's the biggest issue with this episode how do just we know asking. the status of this man's hair <laughs> just asking <laughs> just wondering um, just wondering Derek and Emily go around like showing pictures of the guy how should read her out Emily show okay Emily shows a picture of this guy to a homeless man and then the guy raises his cup like asking for a change and she goes I can't help you sorry girl you're a multi-fucking millionaire give the dude a dollar like <laughs> Jesus she's like sorry I only have cards <laughs> that made me like girl okay girl um the guy is like on the street they keep showing like him walking and then like behind him hush turns the corner like they keep just missing him this one sex worker like looks at the picture then keeps walking and like ignores it no one's saying anything um and then we see the woman who ignored emily earlier like looking into the car being like you want to go and the guy says no so she's like whatever and then she like turns and the guy beanie guy is there reams and he's like hey let's go and she's like oh my god it's you she starts blowing her whistle everyone's like it's him get him you know that whole thing and while he's like on his knees the anna runs over and maces him in the face (laughs) and it's like Derek grabs her and she's like he killed my friend and reams is like she maced me and emily's like yes she did (laughs) emily's like yeah it's not illegal what about it (laughs) Listen. Listen. Is it bad? Is does it suck to get maced? Yes. Does this dude also deserve to get maced? Yes. Yeah. Is it comical that she runs over as he is already on the ground handcuffed and maces him? Yes. Fuck yes. Fuck yes it is. It's 100%. fucking comedy. She's like, yeah. "Let me just get my shot in. Let me just shoot my shot before he gets home." If I could away. just mace him <laughs> right in the eyes real quick, that'd be great. Let me just say uh, one thing I need to say to this guy. Fuck you. Like, it's so <laughs> good. Yeah. And Emily's like, good job. Don't tell anyone I told you this, but nice. good job. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> this happened, but nice. Okay. Back to BAU, Nathan, like, goes up to read. He's been let out of custody. And he says, like, his mom went back to work and he came to the BAU to say goodbye. And he's basically like, did they arrest the killer? Did he say how long he's been like this? Can I talk to him? And Reed says, no. And it's like, Nathan, you aren't him. You know, I'm older than you are. And I'm still changing all the time. And like, you sought me out. And that's important. And Reed like finally says that to him now. And he's going to the hospital in the morning. And he says he's worried about like never being let go. But he just came to say goodbye and to thank Reed for caring. Um... And then the ep- you like think the episode is ending because like some music starts playing and Reed gives and his Reed voiceover. And Reed says his ending quote. Yeah. And then we see that headband woman and he she turns around and Nathan is just like behind her. And there. he's like, he's like, I'd like to pay for a date. Um, and she takes him. And then at the BAU, Penelope is like, Reed, we're going out. Let's go. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to be bad company right now. And she goes, oh no, up, up. Do not make me hurt you. There you go. And then they go out. Um, this is where we need to give a trigger warning. Yeah. 
so trigger warning for like self-harm yeah very graphic in the show i skipped mm-hmm. the scene actually <laughs> b took yeah. the four notes um i also like took shit notes because it's generally what happens yeah it's like five seconds um so they're going out to penelope's car which is this like bright orange thunderbird which i love i love that she has an obnoxious car i think that's a fun character trait for her actually on brand orange convertible yeah like vintage is this feasible for washington dc for three-fourths of the year fuck Fuck no. no but is it very penelope garcia also yes yeah uh, sure. So when they're when they're heading out, Reed gets a call, uh, and he's seems very concerned by the contents of this call. He says that he'll be right there, and that he's calling the paramedics. Um, we cut to them pulling up into a hotel uh, where Nathan has uh, slit his wrists and is bleeding out on the bed. He apparently had set Reed's business card on the table before he started, uh, and the prostitute that we saw earlier called Reed, who then called an ambulance. Um, Reed obviously like is immediately like on it he's like you know let's cover this up he keeps yelling is it tight which (laughs) okay (laughs) okay okay Uh, and um, everything turns out okay I guess in the sense of the word Uh, the paramedics do get there in time Uh, Nathan is still alive when they uh, put him into the ambulance. So Reed did literally save this kid's life. Um, I can't remember who who said it. It was either Gideon or Reed who says, like, you know, he's sick. He needs saving. Uh, which I feel like is really the first time in this episode that they talk about, like, this kid, like, needs help. Not for other people, but also for the fact that he is sick and he deserves help. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I really like. That they're finally like, this kid needs help period yeah uh, i'm also 95 percent sure that this is the same ho- motel set that they used in is it season one or two the con man who's in like florida who's in the south area who who keeps picking up girls and drowning them yes and he puts season the lady one. into the pool and he's like yeah. it's my wife or whatever and then runs away yeah. Very specifically, I think this is the same motel set. The stairs look too similar to me. Yeah. And uh, the episode ends then. Yeah. It's very much sort of just like a, we look at the Derek and Penelope walk away from the camera, Reed and Gideon walk away from the camera, and then it fades to black and then we're done. And that's it. And you're just like, okay, thanks. Okay. All right. Bye. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It was a weird end. It was a weird ending. No real, like, wrap-up. They were just like, this one's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of this episode. Yeah. James, what are you ranking this episode? Scale of 1 to 10. Like we said, good episode. Hard yeah. to watch, but good episode. I'll give it like a seven. You give it a seven? That's, I think, a fair rating. Yeah. I'm going to give it an eight because I always think of this episode as falling into one of the better seasons of like three or four. So I'm always like, oh, this is a good app that deserves the good seasons. 
Uh, let's see here. Did they say the name? They didn't say sex, birth, death at all. No. There's nothing Weird. about birth in this. And they also, I mean, obviously never said wheels up because they didn't leave. Is this one of our first DC-specific cases? I feel like they've always been going places. Yeah, I think we did have a case in Silver Spring, which is DC Metro. But I think so. This is our first DC. It took them a while to just stay in DC. Yeah. <laughs> Season 2, episode 11. Yeah, wow. Uh, so that's going to be it for this week. Next week on Wheels Up, ooh, we're all in for a fucking treat. Next week, we have 212 Profiler Profiled. Yeah. The gem of early Criminal Minds. I think it's safe to say. One of yeah. the best episodes of early Criminal Minds. A great episode of Criminal Minds, period. Yeah. Like, this makes it into like a lot of people's like top 10 episodes. I was going to say, this is a lot of people's favorite episodes. Yeah. Like, this is really good. And then we're going from profile to profile to No Way Out to Big Game and Revelations. Like, oh. we have started the wild ride that is yeah. good criminal minds, let me tell you. It only goes up from here. Like, the rest of season two is banger after banger after banger. <sighs> Yeah, God. I know. There's no reasons. Like, I I think seasons two through four are honestly peak Criminal Minds. Um, yeah. Which is sad that it happens so early. But yeah, they peak real early. <laughs> yeah. And this is it. We're on that. We're on that upward roller coaster. And just. God, just the way that we have profiler profile leading to the big game revelation. Yes. Jones is in here. Yep. Legacy is in here. Uh, yeah. Legacy. Legacy. What Every is day a legacy? we are marching. We are marching onward to my favorite and least favorite episode of Criminal Minds. Yeah. Every day we march ever onward. Oh yeah. God. What's what's episode twenty called? Honor among thieves. Yep, that's Emily's mom. Oh, true, 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 true. That's a good one, too. God, we have so many good eps coming up, you guys. Yeah. Uh No, we are on that upward slope because... We are on that upward... We are on this wild roller coaster. Yeah, no, it only goes up from here. Dance Dance Evolution. Dance Dance Evolution is in here? Yeah. And And then season three starts so strong. Doubt in name and blood, children of the dark, seven, seven seconds. seconds. <laughs> seven seconds. No, it's just up and up and up. Penelope. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Up and up and up, besties. I know. I know. God. Yeah. This podcast is going to drive me to the brink of insanity with all these good episodes. <laughs> with all these good episodes of this good show, I guess. Of this show that's good sometimes? Anyway, next Sometimes. week, Profiler Profiled. Till then, you can find us on socials, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Wheels Up Pod. You can also leave us voice messages on Anchor if you would like to. You, you can't see it, but James did just do the little gay peace sign at you all. Deuces. Deuces. Until next time. James, do you have an ending quote for me? So here, here's my question for you, B. Uh-huh. Um, sidebar. 
do I do the quote off the text document from the very beginning or do I do Emily's little speech? I could do a really good. If a man walks down the street in the city, he should move unfettered. Is that the one I should do? Yeah, honestly, and then just fade out while you are talking, just so that we don't even hear the end of it. If a man walks down the street in this city, he should move unfettered without the risk of catching a debilitating disease from some whore. But these days... STIs aren't that, like, debilitating anymore, bestie. Like, we have... Let me do my damn speech. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, go, 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 sorry. Sorry. Now I gotta start working. If a man walks down the street in this city, he should move unfettered without the risk of catching a debilitating disease from some whore. But these days, while policymakers and law enforcers tell us otherwise, our streets fill with decadence and decay. Sex and sodomy. Our streets are not safe. There is a massive rise of immoral activity moving steadily out of our gutters and into our streets. Your leaders will tell you initiative is taking place and things are getting done, but all one has to do is walk on any street to see the vice and disease spread like aftershock. Whores meander on every corner and work in every alley. They are low women. They walk among us sick with sin. We are sick with their play. Yeah. Sick Among Us reference, bro. <laughs> Great Among Us reference, dude. <laughs>